Well, good morning and welcome everyone. So glad you could be here with us this morning. Uh, we are honored that you have invited us into your living rooms and uh, taken this time to spend together. As we get started this morning, we wanted to take a few moments to recognize that the last couple of weeks have been really difficult for our nation. There has been an increased awareness of the racism in our country and world right now. And Mike and I have had the opportunity to talk to many people um, about race and racism and current events this week and the week prior. And many of us are asking right now, how do I respond? How do I respond to what's going on right now? And we just wanted to encourage you to take, want to ask this question and then to take this question to God because it's a very important question. And to ask God, how do I respond? And we just wanted to take a moment here at the beginning to share with you ways in which Mike and I are responding to our current situation. We are lamenting and grieving the suffering caused by racism. We are educating ourselves on the history that brought us to this point and the current societal structures right now. We are listening and learning from the stories and experiences Excuse me. <coughs> that was bad timing. <laughs> we are listening and learning from the stories and experiences of our black brothers and sisters. We are spending time and energy in self-reflection, um, recognizing our own bias and our privilege. We are confessing the ways in which we have not reflected Jesus in what we have done and what we have left undone. And we're asking many questions right now, such as, God, who do you want me to be? And what do you want me to do in this season? And ultimately, we are striving to love people the way that Jesus loves people. And this is not an easy journey nor a quick journey, but we feel like this is a really important and necessary one. So while we lament and struggle in the season, we also lean into the way of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Uh, and the love of Jesus and the hope that he speaks uh, for um, his kingdom coming and his will being done. And so we strive to participate in the things that he's doing. To that point, uh, since we began online services, we've been in a series on the words of Jesus, trying to explore in this tumultuous time, uh, what does Jesus speak into this moment in history? What did he speak into the moment of the first century uh, in Israel? So. Uh, today we're going to continue that series of the words of Jesus, and today we find ourselves in the Gospel of Mark, in just the second chapter of the Gospel of Mark. And one of the things that I love about Mark is the way he gets straight to Jesus' heart and ministry. Like, he just, from the beginning, dives straight into who is Jesus. And so today we find ourselves in the second chapter, uh, in which a story is told of healing and the help of some friends. I love that. And friendship is really important to me and it has played huge parts in my life. I remember specifically um, one time when I really needed friends. I really needed it. I was eight months pregnant with Rachel and we were actually moving into this house. And you know, if you've ever been pregnant, that, that last month of pregnancy, you feel, you've never been pregnant? Never oh, have, no. That's... That last month of pregnancy, you feel huge and you're tired and you're exhausted and you are ready to be done. And I've been having contractions and so the doctor told me to stay off my feet. Well, 
that's really hard to do when you're packing up a house and moving. And so it was a really stressful time for us, but our family and our friends just surrounded us and they came over to our old home and helped us pack. And then I remember they this big caravan to, to move everything into this house. And I started unloading and someone grabbed my hand and walked me to the to the center of our living space and sat me down in a rolly chair. And they said, you just need to sit here and direct. And so I sat there and I would tell people, you know, where to move things, where to put things. And I watched as as five people washed our dishes and or put them away in our kitchen. And, and someone went to our closet and unpacked our clothes and organized them for us. And I remember thinking, we couldn't have done this. I couldn't have done this had our family and our friends not just surrounded us. And just what a powerful moment it was to just receive that help. So today we're going to look at a story in which the friends are integral in um, assisting uh, a man who couldn't have done it on his own. So in Mark chapter 2, Jesus is traveling back home to Capernaum. And people hear that he's coming home. And so the big crowd gathers around him. And he's in, in a house and the house fills up full of people. And then there's a crowd out surrounding the house and they're all there listening to Jesus speaking to them and to Jesus teaching. And there's a man there who is paralyzed and he has four friends who pick up his mat. He's laying on a mat, who, four friends who pick up the corners of his mat and bring him to Jesus. But when they get to Jesus, the crowd is so great that they're unable to bring the man all the way to Jesus. And so what they do is they get on top of the roof and they start digging through the roof and they create a hole in the roof and they lower this man down on his mat right in front of Jesus. And verse five, I love verse five. It says that when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, sons, your sins are forgiven. Do you think Jesus might be missing the point of why they lowered this man through the roof? A paralyzed man is presented in front of Jesus in the most extreme of ways, and he leads off with, your sins are forgiven. Mm -hmm. Quite intriguing. Now, there were some teachers of the law there present, uh, listening and watching what was happening in this moment. And um, they begin to ask themselves, just in their, in their, in their minds, in their thoughts, they begin to ask, who does this guy think he is, right? He's blaspheming. He's taking the place of God. Who can forgive mm -hmm. sins but God alone? Mm -hmm. Now, Mark tells us Jesus knew in his spirit what they were thinking, and so he responds. He says to them, which would be easier for me to do, to say to this man, your sins are forgiven, or to heal him? Mm -hmm. And he says, so that you can know that I am the Son of Man, uh, he says to this man, get up, take your mat, and go home. And the man stood up and he walked out of the place in full view of all of the people. And it says, the people were amazed and they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. So as we reflect on this story, we wanna look at the main characters in the story. So first off, let's, let's think about this uh, paralyzed man. And we don't know a ton about him. Um, however, we know a little bit about what it what it's like 
for someone who's paralyzed, what it was like for someone who's paralyzed in the first century. There were not very many ways to make a living as a paralyzed man. And so most people who had some sort of physical ailment like this became a beggar. And they would they would sit and they would just beg for a living. We also know that in the first century, often um, paralyzed people were considered poorly. They they people thought perhaps they were cursed or perhaps they were being punished for something, and they blamed them for their condition. And so I want to ask us, you know, what do we learn from this paralyzed man in this story? Well, we know that life was really hard for him, whatever that looked like. Life was really hard, and he was willing to accept the help of his friends. And for, for many of us, we love to help and we love to give, but it's really hard to be on the receiving end and, and to excel, accept the help from his friends. And, and that, for me, is a beautiful thing about this paralyzed man. Now, similarly, we don't know a ton about his friends. They're simply described as four friends, which, given the first century context, it's challenging to imagine what this well, friendship yeah. looked like, how they knew each other. If it were brothers, I think it would have told us it's brothers. But for some reason or another, there's four people that care deeply about this man to go far out of their way to create an incredible scene in the presence of Jesus and the teachers of the law in order to help this man. And in this season, as we explore um, the injustices that exist in our nation, as we continue to struggle with this season of COVID and this worldwide epidemic, um, I'm encouraged by these four people who likely were kind of outsiders in this man's life, but who cared enough to step into that moment mm -hmm. and to show love and concern for him. And then we look at Jesus, who's the main character in this story. And I imagine being him in the very first part of this story, teaching and the crowds are around listening. And then all of a sudden he's hearing this commotion on the roof. And in, in the first century, homes often had flat roofs and they had an outside staircase leading up to the roof. And the roof was made out of a mixture of grass and clay. And so the, the friends started to dig a hole in this clay and grass roof. And so I imagine um, the, the commotion and the dust starting to fall onto Jesus and onto the people in that home listening to him and people just being distracted and starting to look up and Jesus stopping and looking up. And then slowly there's a hole, a hole is formed and a man on a mat is being lowered down in front of Jesus by his friends. And Jesus sees this man. Jesus sees him and Jesus sees his friends and he sees, he recognizes their faith and he says to him, son, your sins are forgiven. And, and the word son was an affectionate term. And here's this beggar this paralyzed man who was likely not treated very well. And he finally gets to Jesus and Jesus's words to him are son, you're, you're welcome here, son. And then he says, your sins are forgiven. And what strikes me about Jesus in this moment is that he truly sees the man. 
He truly sees past the obvious, past the surface level things, sees to the heart and to the mind of this man, and he speaks to him personally. So we have a paralyzed man, we have friends mm-hmm. willing to step in and help, and we have Jesus who sees this man and engages the moment. And then we have the teachers of the law. Now, um, this is early in Jesus' ministry and in, in the narrative that uh, Mark tells. And so at this point, we see um, kind of their early posture, confusion, uh, indignation. Who does this man think he is. And notice they don't confront him, Mm -hmm. but instead they're just watching and waiting and wondering, asking questions uh, with likely cynical looks on their face. And so Jesus uh, chooses to engage their question. In fact, their doubts and their presence in this moment uh, Mm -hmm. sets up the opportunity for Jesus to speak to his identity, the Son of Man. And so he he asks them a question. He addresses them and he says, which is easier to forgive sins or to tell this man to pick up your mat, get up and walk? And what's interesting about that question is they could do neither of those things. Neither of those things were in their capabilities. But Jesus asked them, which is easier? And then he calls himself the son of man. And the son of man was a phrase from the Old Testament that the teachers of the law would have been very familiar with. And it spoke of a messenger from God, a savior with divine authority. And Jesus says, as the son of man, I'm going to prove to you, um, as the son of man, I'm going to forgive sins. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, Uh, Jesus proves his authority then uh, by healing the man, and the crowd is amazed. Can you imagine seeing uh, Jesus perform this miracle to make these claims in this moment, claiming to be the Son of Man, to have authority over sin, and then proving his power, his authority by healing a man who is paralyzed? And it says, and the crowd praised God. We've never Mm -hmm. seen anything like this. And so we've looked at the main characters in this story, and it's interesting to to look at the story from their perspective and recognize that they each came to this interaction with a perspective and an agenda. So we have the teachers of the law who came to um, who came as religious leaders, and they kind of came to maintain their position mm-hmm. and power as religious leaders. To keep status quo, yeah. Mm -hmm. We have a paralytic man who came to be healed, but received much more. We have the friends of this man who came um, with commitment and determination to help their friend, even when it was challenging, even when there were obstacles. Mm -hmm. Jesus came to teach and to heal, as he did in all the towns he went to, and yet he takes this opportunity, this moment, to establish identity, to speak to who he was. And then we have the crowd, the crowd who came to hear Jesus and to hear what he had to say and who witnessed this miracle and left praising God in amazement. Mm -hmm. So uh, have you ever been in that moment where a bunch of agendas come together and clash in just an absurd way? Uh, You probably have. You've uh, been to a family reunion before, so you know what that's like, right? When different agendas come together and clash, uh, and yet uh, it doesn't have to be 
the case. Mm -hmm. It's interesting the way Jesus draws all of these different agendas uh, into one moment mm -hmm. in history. About a year ago, I was invited to participate in the Fatherhood Alliance mm -hmm. here in the Tri-Cities. And this was an initiative saying, um, uh, we need to equip and encourage fathers to remain involved mm -hmm. in children's lives. It was a beautiful initiative here in the community, especially because um, in this room, uh, at a large conference room, there were medical experts, there were law enforcement representatives, there were city officials, there were nonprofits, and there were churches all come together, each one with their own agenda or their own voice in this process, and yet invited to come to the table together to share resources, mm -hmm. to share ideas, and to consider how can we come together as a community. And I, I, I just want to ask us this question this morning as we look at a story of Jesus healing uh, with many different perspectives, many different voices, and many different agendas in the room. I want to ask us, what's our agenda? in this moment? Like, what's the driving force in my life? What's behind the things that I'm doing? What is the why to um, the, the ways I'm engaging in the world? And my dream and my prayer would be that we find ourselves aligning mm -hmm. our dreams, our vision, our goals with the things that Jesus is desiring to do in this world, to share the good news, um, to heal and to help in this world. Mm. So this story really points to Jesus's identity as the divine healer. We see that in the life of the paralyzed man, Jesus saw him and healed not only his physical um, needs, but also addressed his spiritual needs. And I love this about Jesus because it also speaks to how he sees us. Mm -hmm. He sees our whole person. He sees our physical needs, our spiritual needs, our emotional, our mental needs, everything. He sees us and he knows us and he is a divine healer. Yeah. You know, um, I want to share one more really brief story before we finish. Um, Sarah and I had worked for a couple of years with um, this lady who was homeless here mm -hmm. in our community, and we'd uh, done a lot to uh, not only provide resources, but to help walk with her and guide her and go with her to appointments to try to find help. And uh, she found herself in the hospital again with heart problems, and she was discouraged. And for the years we'd worked with her, was just on the verge of giving up. And I, I walked into her room uh, at the hospital that day, and she looked brighter. She looked happier. And I said, what's going on? And she said, a doctor came to me yesterday mm. and he said to me, I've not given up on you. Don't give up on yourself. And I thought this man who has the ability to help heal physically saw much deeper mm. into her than just the physical needs. And I believe it's the way Jesus is looking at us uh, both individually in our communities, uh, our nation, and this world, saying, I see your physical needs, I see the hurt that exists, uh, but I desire to engage mm. in more ways than just those. Jesus heals in a whole new way. Jesus is the divine healer, and we are invited today to come to him and to be healed. And we are invited today to share him with others who also need healing, because we all need the divine healer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So let's pray on that.
Dear God, thank you so much for who you are. Jesus, thank you for being the divine healer. Lord, thank you for seeing us. Thank you for knowing us. Lord, we thank you for your love and your compassion. And God, in this season, uh, in which things have been challenging and difficult on a variety of levels, Lord, we ask that you would teach us to see people as you see them. Lord, teach us to accept help when we need it. Lord, teach us to give help when um, we're called to give help. Lord, teach us to love as you love us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And finally, we've been pitching a song uh, your way each week. And uh, this week, uh, we found a song. One of my favorites. <laughs> we found a song called Known by uh, Torin Wells. And it's a beautiful song um, that speaks to the idea of God, of Jesus, knowing us and loving us. Mm -hmm. One of the lines in there is, it's, it's hard truth and ridiculous grace to be known, fully known by you, to be known and loved by you. So I hope you find blessing in this song. Uh, Jamie's going to post that in the, um, in the uh -huh. feed there for you. And uh, we hope that you'll spend a minute recognizing that Jesus knows us. He knows our deepest needs mm -hmm. and he loves us in the midst of who we are. We hope you have a great week and we'll see you next week. Bye friends.